Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this episode. It is a Tuesday, March 6th. Yeah, if you're listening to the day the show's uploaded, that's kind of important. Episode number 1,542. Right next to me is... Jenny! I got one name! Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! 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 Hi! Hi! I'm your host, Patrick Riley. The field investigators in your sector have classified you as obsolete. You are obsolete. You have no function. You're an anachronism, like a ghost from another time. You're a bug-crawling insect. An ugly, misformed little creature who has no purpose here, no meaning. Well, that, that might be true, but somebody who's, well, not obsolete, she is something else right next to me. She is the worst person in the world. I've been with her for centuries. Things I've seen her do. And... The list is long, and I will share that list <laughs> at upcoming Riley and Kimmy show appearances. So be sure to follow us on Facebook. Also, you know, other social media. Find out where we will be next. Find all those links right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Thank you for making us part of maybe your afternoon. Tuesday. You can listen to us anytime. It doesn't have to be the afternoon of Tuesday. It can be morning, middays, uh, late night. It can be Monday through, well, matter of fact, every day because we have a brand new show, brand new one, every single day. It's available on our website, also on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. Be sure to check out our website for those links while you're there. Enjoy a interview or two or three that we've done. Celebrity interviews are there. Also, pop culture information and links to what is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com Find archived podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com Pop culture escapism. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play again? That is the big question on this Tuesday. Does Kimmy want to go back in time? Challenge your brain cells with a thrilling game of pop culture trivia. What say you, Kimmy? Well, yes. All right. As we head into the time machine to go back for some questions, I need to point out the timeline has been adjusted. It's not running in chronological or linear order, meaning it's all wacky, just like I am. Yeah, it's been put into the temporal scrambler, or maybe a a mixer, and this is what we have on this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help Kimmy out with answers she believes in, temporal answers. Yeah, she says uh, time travel answers actually work. She who is in your past and you are in her future can communicate, talk to, shout at, whisper to, whatever computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy Show playing on right now. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. Kimmy, we're looking for the year, giving you a plus or minus of five years. And we want the identity of this person who appeared for the last time doing the evening news. He'd held the job for 19 years. Tell me who it is and what year was the last time. This is my last broadcast as the anchorman of the CBS Evening News. For me, it's a moment for which I long have planned, but which nevertheless comes with some sadness. For almost two decades, after all, we've been meeting like this in the evenings, and I'll miss that. Who is it? 
Walter Cronkite. All right. And what year? 1980. You get it almost right there without the plus or minus of five. It was 1981 that happened. It was on this date. This item goes on sale in the United States for the very first time. Give me the year within five years it goes on sale. The item is Silly Putty. We'll give you a moment or two to think about it as we have this rewind. Hello there. You know, I've been all around this wonderful world of ours, and in all of this world, nothing else is Silly Putty. What is Silly Putty? Well, it's a real solid liquid. If you pull it so, it'll go forever, like taffy. But if you give it a sharp tug, It'll break like a biscuit. Now, when you make Silly Putty round and drop it, it'll bounce higher than a rubber ball. And here's something else you can do with Silly Putty. Flatten it, press a picture in your newspaper, lift it, stretch it this way and that, and you'll get something that's really funny. Always put your Silly Putty back in its egg or it will run slowly away. You can buy Silly Putty for $1 wherever toys are sold. And remember, nothing else is Silly Putty. That's right. Nothing else is Silly Putty. Kimmy, give me the year Silly Putty goes on sale for the very first time. 1960. Even with that plus or minus of five, you miss it. That commercial actually was the first uh, introduction of Silly Putty. It's 1950 that Silly Ooh. Putty came to be. Did you have Silly Putty? Uh-huh. Did you flatten it and on the... Boy, that's hours of fun uh-huh. right there. Yeah, just uh-huh. stretch it at. On the, on the comic strip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you, yeah. You did that? Uh-huh. Sure. Yep, yep. And, and did you roll it up like a ball? Uh-huh. Okay. Did you eat it? No. Well, he was talking about it being like a food product no. there. It was, no. Yeah, or it's like taffy. You can stretch it out. It was like, no. I'm hungry. Okay. Silly putty. The year, Kimmy, is what we're looking for. We're giving you a plus or a minus of 10 years. Aspirin is patented by German researchers of Bayer. What year? Ten years, plus or minus. We'll give you a few moments to think about it with this little retro rewind with the Riley and Kimmy show. The four o'clock letdown. You've got the four o'clock letdown. That tired, headachey, dragged out feeling that comes in mid-afternoon when you've had too much to do. When this happens, take a four o'clock bear break. Take two bear aspirin for your headache. Sit down for a few minutes. Put your feet up and relax. You'll find two Bayer aspirin combined with this brief rest will help you spring back fast. For thanks to instant flaking action, Bayer tablets enter the stomach as a shower of tiny flakes, ready to go to work instantly to bring the fastest, most gentle to the stomach relief you can get. When I get the four o'clock letdown, I take a four o'clock Bayer break, and I feel better fast. Remember that. When you get that four o'clock letdown and feel tired, headachy, all worn out, Relax. Take Bayer aspirin and feel better fast. Four o'clock letdown. I don't know if that was a.m. or p.m. He's talking about. <laughs> well, in your case, Kimmy, it might be a.m. because we record this show very early before sunrise each day. So uh-huh. maybe that. Do you need two bear, Kimmy, and put your feet up for a little bit? Nah. Okay. What year did Bayer aspirin? When was it patented? Within ten years. Eighteen eighty. Wow. You went further back than I thought you would. That's smart, but you're not close enough, Kimmy. You went a little bit too far back. It was 1899 Uh. that it was patented. Identify this next person, Kimmy. The year is 1922. He signs a three-year contract, baseball contract, (laughs) worth $52,000 a year. It's 1922. Who is it? Babe Ruth. You're correct. The year is 1959. This song is recorded. Tell me who the recording artists are. There go my baby, moving on down the line. Wonder where, wonder where, wonder where she is bound. Who is it, Kimmy? Mm, me don't know. That's the Drifters with There Goes My Baby. The year is 1964. This actor, this musician, this singer has his 14th movie, Kimmy. It is released on this date. And he records a song for it. It's part of the soundtrack. Matter of fact, it's played over the opening credits of the movie. Tell me, who 
starred in the movie. Who had the song? Here's your clue. Well, I've got a gal. She's as cute as she can be. She's a distant cousin, but she's not too distant with me. We kiss, we kiss all night. All night. I sleep, I sleep. is her type. her type. But we're kissing cousins. That's what makes it all right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I wish this was a video episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show just what? to see the look on Kimmy's face. I, I have a Ew. feeling you never. I have a feeling. I have a feeling you've never heard that one before. Kimmy, can you I haven't. Can you tell me, obviously you have never seen the film, but can you tell me who who had his 14th movie released on this date when that was part of the, the song was part of the movie? Elvis Presley. Yes, in Kissing Cousins. Do you want to see it now, Kimmy? No. You don't want to see Elvis kiss his cousin? Ew. That song, by the way, was not offensive at the time period, at least because it charted at number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. Next person. Let's see if you can do it without an audio clue, Kimmy. 1964, this actress divorces her. Well, it's the fourth divorce for her. She divorces from Eddie Fisher, Carrie Fisher's father. Who is it? Elizabeth Taylor. Wow, you did that with no clue. Fantastic. Moving to the world of sports, Kimmy. This boxer in 1964 publicly announces that he has changed his name to something else. Tell me who he became, if you will, his new name. Here is your clue a little bit. He talks about the change of the name and how people are reacting to it. Well, some people, they still say Clay. Cash Sports writers still call you Clay. No, I, I stopped them because they know better. But some people who don't know better, uh, they say, how you doing, Mr. Clay? I may not say nothing because the intention was nice. It didn't mean no harm. Then some walk up. How you doing, boy? How you feeling, Cassius? Uh, meet Mr. Clay, fine boy. Then I have to straighten him out because he's agitated and smart and bossy. But it's according to how they approach me. Who is it, Kimmy? Muhammad Ali. That's correct. The year's 1972. Jack Nicholas passes this person as golf's all-time money winner. Who is it? Arnold Palmer. You're right. You do know your golf. I guess I better be careful if we ever play putt-putt miniature golf, ever, if we ever have a Riley and Kimmy mm-hmm. show tournament. Uh-huh. I've never played you in putt-putt golf. Uh, really? Yeah. Never. We have n- we've bowled. Okay. We've never played putt-putt golf. Okay. I'm kind of interested to maybe play some putt-putt golf with you, mini golf, whichever you like to call it. The year is 1977. An evening with this person airs on NBC TV. An icon of the 1960s, a powerhouse singer, part of a part of a group, Kimmy. See if you can identify who had her own special, 1977. This is Detroit, Michigan. The Big D, my hometown. I grew up here on the streets of Motortown, USA. Detroit has produced millions of automobiles and one skinny little girl singing. Me. Ah, I want you to Nineteen seventy-seven, an evening with whom? Diana Ross. Yes, airs on NBC on this date. The year is nineteen seventy-eight. Hustler's publisher is shot and left paralyzed from the waist down due to injury sustained. It's from a murder attempt by serial killer Joseph P. Franklin. It happened in Georgia. Who is the publisher of Hustler magazine? Um, that would be, um, what's his name? Yeah, what's his name? I'll give you a little clue. In 1996, there was a movie about him. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson played him. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me who it is? Um, yeah, it's not Hugh Hefner. It's, no. um, what's his initials? L.F. Total block. Can't get it. Larry Flint. Larry Flint. 1978. And the movie was The People vs. Larry Flint, 1996, starring Woody Harrelson as Larry Flint. Year is 1985. This person plays his 4,500th performance in a musical, Kimmy. Tell me who it is and the musical. Brief clue. Have care that head shall never be higher than mine. When I shall sit, you shall sit. When I shall kneel, you shall kneel, etc., etc., etc. 
Can you tell me who the actor was? Yule Brenner. And what was the play? The King and I. That's correct. Have you ever seen the movie version of The King and I? No, I have not. What is wrong with you? One of these retro film nights, we I, if they ever show it, I don't know mm-hmm. if they have recently or if they will in the future, you have to see that. It's one of my favorite musicals of all time. He literally is magic on screen. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic performance. The year, Kimmy, is 1989. This person's autobiography, Inside My Life, was released. Tell me who it is. Here's a clue. I would do anything. I would go Whose autobiography comes out? 1989. Smokey Robinson. That's right. 1995. The ninth American Comedy Awards happened. This person wins. Tell me who it is. Well, that's the story of my life. No respect. Tell her no respect. Well, I was drowning. I was yelling, help, help. The lifeguard ran over. So they're like, buddy, keep it down. Keep it down. I <laughs> got no respect from anyone. Who was it, Kimmy? Rodney Dangerfield. You are right. Celebrity and notable birthdays, famous people born on this day. Tell me why this person is on the list. Born 1806, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She was a poet? Are you confident, Kimmy? Mm -hmm. You sure? Not an actress? Yes. Not a singer? No. Not a politician? No. A poet. Yep. You know it. Yep. That's right. English poet of the Victorian era. Next person born, 1906. Kimmy, an American comedian and actor of radio, stage, television, and film, and burlesque. Best remembered as part of a duo. Tell me who was born, 1906. I don't understand this. You start to ask for 50 cents, and I give you 40 cents, I give you 30 cents. Ah, but you got me on me. How can I loan you 50 cents? All I got left now is 10 cents. That's all I got left. Who was it, Kimmy? Lou Costello. That's right. Part of what... uh, Abbott and Costello. That's correct. Next person, born 1923. Part of television. Big part of television, Kimmy. Also was a commercial spokesperson for a certain dog food. Tell me who was born 1923. And now that master of wisdom who's wiser than his master, Alpone the Magnificent. Alpone will divine the answer to the hidden question. Spot check. Spot check. How does Spot pay his bills? Amazing. And Alpone knows what's in Alpo beef chunk dinner, too. Real beef and complete nutrition for a dog's whole life. So remember Alpone's wisdom. Alpo has the beef dogs love to eat. A thousand blessings on your house and puppy. Kimmy, who was that? Ed McMahon. Correct. What show was the announcer on from 1962 to 1992? The Tonight Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Here's Johnny. Can you tell me one other TV show he was part of? Ooh. One other one. Now, he hosted one himself, all solo, from 1983 to 1995. And when you look at today's type of television, he was actually ahead of his time with that show. And he was part of another show with Dick Clark. I don't know. Dick Clark, it was TV's bloopers and practical jokes. They were together from 1982 to 1998. But the one I mentioned first was Star Search from 1983 oh. to 1995. Gordon Cooper, born 1927. He was an author? Gordo Cooper. Gordo Cooper? Oh, uh, that is, uh, was an astronaut. Well, one Gord- of the Mercury astronauts. Very good. Gordon Cooper, also uh-huh. Gordo Cooper. Cooper piloted the longest and final Mercury space flight in 1963. He was the first American to sleep in space during a 34-hour mission and was the last American to be launched alone to conduct an entire solo orbital mission can you tell me who played him, Kimmy, in the movie The Right Stuff in 1983? Oh, I can't. Dennis Quaid played him. Mm. They hung out together quite a bit, so Quaid could actually portray it accurately. And the dialogue, Whoa. actually, Cooper worked on the dialogue, so it was best who you know his memory was. Mm. And by the way, if you like the old kid show The Thunderbirds, the character Gordon Tracy 
is named after Gordo Cooper, who was born on this date. Tell me why this person's on the famous list, Kimmy. Born 1940, his name, Willie Stargell. He was a baseball player. Correct. What team did he play his entire major league career at? What team was it? It was from 1962 to 1982. San Diego Padres? Pittsburgh Pirates. Pittsburgh Pirates. I knew it was P. Okay. Next person's part of a TV show. That's a T, Kimmy. TV show. Okay. Part of a TV show. I don't think you'll be able to tell me the name of the TV show he was part of, but here, here's a chance. Let's just give it a shot. Here's your clue. Tell me the TV show he's known for. Hannibal Hayes and Kid Curry, the two most successful outlaws in the history of the West. And in all the trains and banks they robbed, they never shot anyone. This made our two latter-day Robin Hoods very popular with everyone but the railroads and the banks. There's one thing we gotta get, Hayes. What's that? Out of this business. The governor can't come flat out and give you amnesty now. First, you gotta prove you deserve it. Uh, so all we have to do is just stay out of trouble till the governor figures we deserve amnesty. But in the meantime, we'll still be wanted. Well, that's true. Till then, only you, me, and the governor will know about it. It'll be our secret. Kimmy, can you tell me the name of that TV show? I sure can't. Alias Smith and Jones, starring Pete Duell and Ben Murphy. Almost sounds like Jack Nicholson doing the uh, narration there, but it, it wasn't. The person born on this date, Ben Murphy, 76 years old today. I take it you've never seen Alias Smith and Jones. Never have. Mm-mm. Can't remember if it's, um, I think it's Cozy TV one of the retro TV networks that occasionally runs that show. Hmm. Staying in birthdays. Tell me why this person's on the list. What are they famous for? Kimmy, it's a singer. She was part of a group. You tell me the group. Mary Wilson. She was part of the Supremes. Yes, Mary Wilson having a birthday today. How old is she within five years? 88. She's 74 today. Next person, actor, Kimmy, director, became nationally known on this TV show. We have the theme of the TV show, well, an instrumental version for those who are old enough to know the elevator music version of the theme. Tell me the name of the TV show. This is impossible. She's nodding her head saying, I know it, I know it. How on earth do you know this TV show? Kimmy, what is the TV show? All in the Family. That's correct. Tell me who the birthday person is. Well, I think they just don't like the idea of America fighting an illegal and immoral war. That would include me too, Mr. Bunker. Well, what would our leaving solve? I mean, with or without protesters, this country would still have the same problems. Well, it's the war, the racial problem, the economic problem, the pollution problem. Oh, come on, if you want to nitpick. Now I see what your idea of a free country is. You're free to say anything you want, but if, but if anyone disagrees with you, they're either thrown into jail or called a meathead, right? Kimmy, who is it? Rob Reiner. Yes, how old is Rob Reiner today within five years? 70. 71 today, so you get that one. Next person, 71 years old today, a singer. She charted back in the 70s, 1976, a number one hit. She sang with Elton John. Tell me who she is. Who's having a birthday? Kiki D. You're right. Staying in the world of music and birthdays. This person's having his 72nd birthday. Musician. Longtime member of a certain band. Kimmy, you tell me the band. It's David Gilmore. Um, I don't know. Here's your clue. What band, Kimmy? Pink Floyd. Yes, Pink Floyd. Next birthday, the person's an actor, comedian. His big screen breakthrough came when he starred with Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies in 1994. He became even more famous, though, when he married a comedian. Can you tell me who it is? Jenny Craig. This is a true story. <laughs> Jenny Craig hired myself and my ex-wife, offered us $10 million to lose 20 pounds. Who could not lose 20 pounds for $10 million? I can think of two fat 
Should have had a real hard time with it. I'll tell you what, they just come out with these new Jenny Craig ice cream bars. They taste just like the regular ones. So I was eating like 30 of those for breakfast. And then we'd have a buffet at Jenny Craig stuff at lunch, a Jenny Craig dinner. And then about a week later, I'm like, Rosie, this is weird, but I think I'm gaining weight on Jenny Craig. It turns out it's one meal per meal. And so we got it wrong. But, you know, I said, oh, my God, this is horrible. People already think we're insane. We have got to do this. We can build another school. We got to do this thing. Plus, I'm 6'2". I weigh 280. You're five foot tall. You're 180. I'm not a scientist. But we could probably afford to lose 20 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Who is it, Kimmy? Oh, he was married to Roseanne. Yeah, Roseanne had his last name for a period of time. She did? She was. Roseanne Barr was. Blank. She was Roseanne Roseanne Barr Barr blank. I can't think of his name. Come on. I can't. There he was talking about them on on the diet. Matter of fact, uh, she stabbed him during that uh, thing, and he shows the, the scar. Oh. Yeah, they had a little dieting conflict. Wow. It's Tom Arnold having a birthday mm. today. How old is he within five years? Uh, 68. Tom Arnold is celebrating his 59th birthday. Going to basketball, Kimmy. This person considered one of the greatest players in NBA history. He's having a birthday today, Kimmy. But he's also known for singing, too. Yes, they tried to make him a huge recording artist. And I'm not talking about his size. Tell me who it is. 1993 had a number 35 Hot 100 hit, hit number 20 on the R&B charts. Who is having a birthday? Rhyming is like Cupid. I'm already a legend. Back in the days in the food step section. Used to kick rhymes like baby, baby, baby. Every once, every twice, three times a lady. Is what I listen to, riding with my moms. How you like me now? I drop bombs. When you see me, please dab my hands. I know I got skills, man. I know I got skills, man. Can you tell me who it is, Kimmy? Who's having a birthday? Shaquille O'Neal. Whoa, 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 whoa. You totally shocked me there. You got it. You're 100% right. How old is Shaq today? Uh, 55. Shaquille is celebrating his 46th birthday today. I see dead people. Notable deaths, famous people who passed away on this date in history. The year is 1836, Kimmy. This American frontiersman, adventurer, politician is killed in a battle. Battle happens in the Texas Territory. He dies at the age of 49. He would be immortalized. Myths would happen. There would be a television show movie about him. Tell me. Who it was. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee. Green estate in the land of the free. Raised in the woods so he knew every tree. Killed him a bar when he was only three. Can you tell me who it was? No. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Crockett, I have a feeling Kimmy's never seen the Disney film or TV show. Uh, you've never seen Well, could you tell the voice there, the person who sang mm. that he played Davy Crockett? Later Mm-mm. on, he would play Daniel Boone on TV. Mm-mm. Who played Daniel Boone? Real tall man. I don't know. Fess Parker, Kimmy. Okay. You've never seen Dan? I didn't watch that. Whoa. That was a boy show. That's kind of sexist. Mm. By the way, Daniel Boone, Kimmy. Anybody else, you might be able to catch it on Heroes and Icon. They they run it sometimes, and I'm sure it's available streamed, and can't believe you. Going back to trivia, 1836, Davy Crockett passes away. He dies in a battle. What is the name of the battle? Um, The Alamo? That's correct. He dies at the age of 49. Also notable, Jim Bowie passes away that date, 1836. Have you ever seen any movies or anything about the Battle of the Alamo? Mm-mm. Moving back to questions, Kimmy. The year is 1932. This U.S. composer dies at the age of 77. Tell me, who passed away? <laughs> who was it, Kimmy? John Souza. We'll accept that. John Philip Souza passed away 
on this date, 1932, at the age of 77. You will not know the name of this person, but you know what he has done, especially the horror films that you love like I do, the classic Universal films. He is extremely important to the classics. Edward Van Sloan passed away on this date in 1964. Died at the age of 81, best known for his roles. Well, he was in The Mummy in 1932. Frankenstein, 1931. He does something extremely special with it, not just starring in the film or co-starring. He actually does the opening, the warning to the audience. How do you do? Mr. Carl Lindley feels it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we've warned you. Yes. That's the opening to Frankenstein, if you've never seen the complete opening, but that's the opening. He was also part of something a little bit before that, Kimmy. He was part of a movie called Dracula. He played Dr. Van Helsing. On the contrary, it may prove to be most enlightening. In fact, before you go, you can be of definite service. Anything I can do, I'm glad. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. Something so incredible, I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Van Helsing, now that you have learned what you have learned, it would be well for you to return to your own country. I prefer to remain and protect those whom you would destroy. Should you escape us, Dracula, we know how to save Miss Mina's soul, if not her life. Question for you, Kimmy, that classic Dracula scene. What does Dr. Helsing show Dracula? What does he want him to take a look at? The mirror. Yeah, it's in the box. I, that is That is priceless. If you just watch that film... Bela Lugosi is fantastic in that. And one of the reasons I think it's so fantastic is I know he's probably performed that several hundred times because he's performed Dracula on stage, but it's fresh. It's real. The rage in his eyes when that happens, when he knocks that, slaps that out of his hands, out of the doctor's hands, it's, it's beautiful. And the scenes between the two are true performances, in my opinion. Whereas uh, some of the other performances are a little waxed because the director just didn't really focus that much. He just, truly, he treated it like a play, turned on a camera and walked away. So, but I'd love to have seen it shot with multiple cameras and that kind of performance throughout the whole thing. Mm. I just I love that. That's Edward Van Sloan we're talking about, who passed away on this date in 1964. Moving to 1970, this person passed away, an American actor, also known for science fiction films, but known for a TV series for a long period of time, Kimmy. Tell me the TV show he's known for. Do you know the TV show? Perry Mason? That's correct. He played the detective on Perry Mason, Kimmy. He I think he he wanted to well, he wanted some romance in with Perry's uh Perry's private secretary. Tell me who passed away on this date. Hi, beautiful. Bye, beautiful. Who was it? I don't know. Hmm. You don't you don't remember him. Mm -mm. He had premature white hair. That's William Hopper who died in nineteen seventy. He was part of some sci fi films we talked about. He was part of Conquest of Space, 1955. He was also part of something non-sci-fi. Tons of films, by the way, in the 40s. But uh, one that really stands out in the 50s, he played the father to the child of the bad seed. Remember that, 1956? Mm. Remember that movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And back to sci-fi films, he was part of 1957, The Deadly Mantis. I know you've seen that. Sven Gulli has ran it from time to time on MeTV. And the 1957 film, 20 Million Miles to Earth. Next person passed away 2016. Kimmy, identify who passed away on this date. In the next few months, 
the motion picture industry and theater owners will be bringing you a series of messages like the one you just saw. I don't think anybody will miss the point. The thrill can kill. The drug dealers need to know that we want them out of our schools, neighborhoods, and our lives. And the only way to do that is to take the customers away from the product. Say no to drugs and say yes to life. Who passed away 2016, Kimmy? Nancy Reagan. You're correct. I think you did a very good job on a Tuesday, Kimmy. Thank you. We're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about with a Golden Age of Radio episode. Radio was mentioned the Alamo. The Battle of the Alamo happened on this date in history, and we have one of the most unusual golden age of radio programs we could we could put on the Riley and Kimmy show. This is a time travel trip. I don't know who came up with the idea way back when, but it's a, it was a great idea. 1947, there's a radio production called You Are There. They would take, like, reporters, as a matter of fact, a real reporter by the name of John Daly, Go back in time and recreate the event that happened with sound effects. It is truly theater of the mind, a masterpiece. But it's kind of weird because they are treating their reporters and stuff as 1947 back in time. And they go back to the Alamo when the, uh, the event happens, the battle. So we're going back in time. Strange piece of biography here. Here's one of the strangest golden age of radio productions you will ever hear. It's called You Are There. This is the Alamo from 1947 with John Daly. This is John Daly on a little sagebrush-covered mesa overlooking the Mission Alamo. The besieged and completely surrounded garrison of free Texans, less than 200 men, are still blocking the advance of Santa Ana's 3,000 Mexican troops into the heart of free Texas. They still hold out. But it may be that on this morning of March 6th, 1836, Santa Ana's troops will storm forward in their final all-out attack. For a short while ago, Santa Ana's cannon, which for 11 days have kept up a relentless bombardment of the Alamo, suddenly ceased firing. And there are signs of activity in the Mexican lines. Couriers began to dash to and from Santa Ana's headquarters. The Alamo, March 6th, 1836. CBS is there. The defense of the Alamo. CBS asks you to imagine that our microphone is present at this unforgettable moment of Texas history. All things are as they were then, except for one thing. CBS is there. This broadcast, the sixth in a special summer series produced and directed for Columbia by Robert Lewis Shayon, is based on authentic historical fact and quotation. And now, The Alamo, March 6th. 1836, and John Daly. Before us, we wonder, as the whole world wonders, what is going on inside the Alamo. The little mission which looks like a brown roosting hen, its head the bell tower and its body the rectangular stockade that stretches back from the mission proper, is ominously quiet. Our CBS mobile unit is outside the Mexican lines and about a half a mile away from the Alamo. The Mexicans have taken no notice of our unit since they first questioned us when we arrived on the scene. The fact that the United States is officially neutral in this revolt of the Texas patriots against the Santa Ana government still protects us and permits us to continue our observation and reports without let or hindrance. No military action in all history can be compared to this siege. These men, these Texans, could have escaped. They had full warning of Santa Ana's approach with his army of 3,000. But they chose to stand because they knew that unless Santa Ana was stopped, if only for a few precious days... Unless his relentless march was stalled, all of free Texas would fall before the invaders. Of course, it's still possible that the Alamo may be relieved. It's still possible that reinforcements may come. Involuntarily, we keep staring toward the east. Along the road, relief may come, must come, if it is to come. A road swept by a cold March wind. Actually, we know that the chances for relief are so small as to be practically non-existent. These Texans, these farm boys and trappers and cattle racers... These lads who a few weeks ago were plowing fields and milking cows have almost overnight become soldiers. And meanwhile, one of the most puzzling aspects of the situation has been the continued silence of the portable radio transmitter we know to be inside the Alamo. 
Our technicians have been on the alert constantly, day and night. But so far, we have not been able to get any signal from within the walls. Meantime, the panorama of battle stretches out before us. It looks like some toy battlefield. But we know it is real. The bodies of white-clad Mexican soldiers sprawled on the ground are real. The red blood flag denoting no quarter flies from Santa Ana's lines. Soldiers always say that waiting is worse than battle. We know what they mean now, but we will wait here. And this is John Daly returning you to the temporary capital of this infant nation, Washington on the Brazos, and Ken Roberts. This is Ken Roberts inside the small, rude, unpainted building which houses the Free Texas Convention, or Consultation, as it is called. That cold March wind John Daly spoke about is blowing on the Brazos, too. And the windows of the building have been covered with canvas in an attempt to hold out the cold. The convention, which is working on the Free Texas Constitution, is in recess. Most of the delegates are standing about in small, solemn groups. They're talking quietly and soberly of the news they've just heard from John Daly, the news that the final all-out attack on the Alamo may be impending. Mrs. Eliza Benson, who lives in the neighborhood, is here with me now. She has kindly consented to answer a few questions. Mrs. Benson, I understand you have a son with Lieutenant Colonel Travis at the Alamo. Yes, I have, Mr. Roberts. Well, how long has he been in the Army? Oh, not long. Two weeks, maybe. We've only been in Texas all told, less than three months. Where did you come from, Mrs. Benson? From Indian Territory, out near Independence Way. See, uh, we had a few acres that Sam, my husband, bought from the land office. Uh-huh. And the Indians come and... Sam was killed. We didn't have anything, not even a wagon. So I took my boy, Philip, and we walked down here. 250 miles. Sure was a long walk. Yes, it must have been. And now you have a home here in Texas? Well, we got some acreage near Goliath. But just when Philip was getting set to put in a crop, all this trouble started. All the young men went into the army, and Philip, he went too. Do you think those boys, Philip and the others, will be able to hold off Santa Ana? Well, I didn't know anything about that. Philip is where God put him. It's not for his mother or anyone else to decide such questions. But I know the men who are with him, Billy Travis, Colonel Boyd, David Crockett, and the other lads from our little town, other towns in Texas, they'll be doing what they should be doing. They'll be brave. Thank you, Mrs. Benson. I wish you could see these faces around me now. They're American faces, wind-bitten and square-jawed. The language is the language of the Tennessee Hills, the Mohawk Valley, the farmlands, the old frontiers, the places you and I know. Although until four days ago, when the Texas Declaration of Independence was signed, this land had been politically foreign, it has long been culturally and physically allied to the United States. These people, these Texans, are the cousins and the brothers and the husbands of our own families. They are our kin. For example, the Texan, the typical Texan, who's standing at our CBS microphone now. He's a tall, bony figure of a man in buckskin breeches and homespun shirt. He's grinning at the description. What is your name, sir? Uh, Smithwick. Noah Smithwick. And where is your home, Mr. Smithwick? Well, I got a parcel out uh, San Felipe way. Well, where was your home before you came to Texas, Mr. Smithwick? Uh, Kentucky. Hopkinsville. And uh, what brought you to Texas? Well, I... Reckon the same thing that brought the others, a chance to own some land, new start, maybe just a kind of itch to haul up anchor and see some new ports. <laughs> you talk like a Navy man. Well, uh, I was one during the war against England, 1812. I see. Yeah. Uh, gunners made under good old Constitution. Ironside, that was. Uh-huh. Yeah, I got, came home after the war and... Uh, Kind of couldn't get used to things, you know. And a fella come through town, he talked mighty big about this here place called Texas and said how uh, old Moses Austin got himself a whopping big grant of land and was offering uh, farmland and uh, some uh, 400 acres of pasture to folks who'd come down this way. So I pack up my kit and caboodle and come down. Well, did you get all that was promised to you, Mr. Smithwick? Oh, uh... Uh, got some. <laughs> well, is Texas what you expected it to be? Well, uh, I reckon it's a mite different from what we was told it would be. Uh, how's that, sir? Well, uh, this fellow who signed us up, he's a tolerable good liar, you know. A liar? Yeah. Uh, he said that there'd be no taxes, and he said as how the country was so full of game. <laughs> Don't get this. Wild horses turkey and buffalo that uh, all one would have to do to get a meal is pitch a bowie knife over his left shoulder. <laughs> and uh, he, he said as how when you planted corn, 
You'd have to back up real fast so the stalk wouldn't bash in the chin coming up. <laughs> Terrible good lie. <laughs> well, Mr. Smithwick, yeah. how do you feel about what the boys at the Alamo are doing? Holding off Santa Ana, I mean. Giving Texas time. Oh, well, uh, I, I tell you, I figure this way, uh, uh, Mr. Roberts. That's your name, isn't it? That's right, yeah. sir. Well, those, um, those boys, uh, they kind of uh, calculated what the situation was and did what they figured was needed. And uh, it, it's a right uh, grand thing they're doing, and we ain't forgetting that either. Those boys know what they're fighting for. Yes, I guess uh, they do. So we, we we got no more reason to be part of Mexico than we uh, has to be part of China, you know? Oh, how's that, Mr. Stepwick? Well, we don't speak the same language, think the same way, and uh, that, that ain't all. We've been doing... A, our best, you know, to mind our own business, asking precious little. But now what's happened? Well, I tell you, Steve Austin goes down to Mexico City to speak our cause, and Santa Ana smacks him into a dungeon for almost a year. Now tell me, is that how free citizens get treated in a decent country? Oh, I guess it is. No, you guess right. We ask for schools for our kids and, and little things like trial by a jury and the right to speak a piece when we're in a mind to speak. Now, I know... See, I know what the talk is, is how we're all of us here, nothing but a cruel pirate, ruffians out to stir up trouble. Well, that just ain't so. We're plain, ordinary dogs here. Excuse me, Mr. Weasley. A rider has just entered the convention hall. His clothes are caked with mud. He looks tired. He looks as if he's written a long way and written hard. The men are crowding around him now, but he's pushing his way through to the desk. I'm going to try to get up to him. One side, please. Would you step aside, please? Get off that table. Please, let me through. Who is the rider, sir? Where is he from? Billy Travis from the Alamo. He's got a dispatch for General Houston. The rider is from the Alamo. He's come from the Alamo. General Sam Houston has just entered the hall. The rider is talking to him now. And there's Mr. Richard Ellis, the president of the convention. The news of the rider's arrival has spread all over. All the delegates are pouring in now. General Houston is reading the dispatch handed to him by the rider. It must be news from the Alamo at last. News from inside the Alamo. Now, now General Houston is talking to Mr. Ellis. He's pointing to the dispatch. Wait a minute. Just a moment. Mr. Ellis is raising his hand. He's pounding. Gentlemen, quiet, please, please, quiet, quiet. Gentlemen, we we have here a dispatch from Lieutenant Colonel William B. Travis, commanding the garrison at San Antonio de Bexar. Uh, General Houston has asked me to read it to you. To the Commander-in-Chief of the Army of Texas. On the 23rd of February... The enemy in large force entered the city of San Antonio de Bexar, which could not be prevented, as I had not sufficient force to defend my, my position. Uh, Colonel Batras, the adjutant major of the President General Santa Ana, demanded a surrender at discretion, calling us firing rebels. I answered them with a cannon shot. <laughs> The enemy commenced a bombardment with a five-inch howitzer, which, together with heavy cannonade, has been kept up incessantly ever since. I instantly sent express to Colonel Fannin at Goliad and to the people of Gonzales and San Felipe. Our numbers are few, and I have every reason to expect an attack from the whole force of the enemy very soon. But I shall hold to the last extremity, hoping to secure reinforcements in a day or two. Do hasten on aid to me as rapidly as possible, as from the superior number of the enemy, it would be impossible for us to keep them out much longer. If they overpower us, we fall a sacrifice at the shrine of our country, and we hope Posterity in our country will do our memory justice. Give me help, oh my country. Victory or death. Signed W. B. Travis, Lieutenant Colonel. So ends the dispatch. There it is. There you have it. The first official word of the situation within the Alamo. I hope you heard it as Mr. Ellis read it to the delegates here at Washington on the Brazos this morning of March 6, 1836. Although the dispatch confirms everything John Daly has been able to report to you from the CBS Mobile Unit, 
although most of the information contained in the dispatch is already known, still this is the first official word that has come through from the Alamo itself since it was besieged 11 days ago. While the dispatch was defiant, almost heroic, its meaning was clear. The situation was desperate then when there was still hope for reinforcements, and is even more desperate now that hope is dim. Mr. Ellis, General Houston, and some of the delegates have been holding a consultation. Mr. Ellis is calling to order again. Gentlemen, quiet. Quiet, please, quiet. General Houston, I will now give you your orders. As Commander-in-Chief of the Texas Army, you are ordered forthwith to repair to such place on the frontier as you may deem advisable. You will proceed to establish headquarters and organize an army, and you will require all officers of the army of whatever grade to report to you. And uh, as it is uh, impossible at this time to determine any particular line of action, you will act according to the emergencies of the occasion and the best dictates of your own judgment for the purpose of protecting our frontier and advancing the best interests of our country. Thank you, sir. Good day. We have just heard General Houston's order to be by Mr. Ellis. The general has saluted Mr. Ellis now. He's coming this way, pushing his way through the delegates. They're shaking his hands, patting him on the back, and wishing him well. Oh, General, General Houston, this is CBS. Yes? General Houston, can you tell us anything about your plans? It is my intention to fight Santa Ana. But are you ready, sir? Is Texas ready to challenge to fight the immense army of Santa Ana? When is Texas not ready to fight? What about the Alamo, General Houston? Can you tell us anything about the Alamo? Colonel Travis and his boys are standing at the Alamo for one purpose, to give me time to organize a defense against Santa Ana. They saw their duty. They did not waver. I will not waver in mine. Can you give us a message to the American people, General Houston? Yes. You heard the dispatch from Colonel Travis. He said, give me help, oh my country. Well, I say, volunteers from the United States for the Army of Texas will be welcome. I say to all red-blooded Americans, come to Texas. Come with a good rifle. And come soon. In the name of the men of the Alamo, liberty or death. Thank you, General Sam Houston, Commander-in-Chief of the Army of Texas. The General is leaving the building now, surrounded by the delegates. These people have placed their highest hopes in Sam Houston, the tight-lipped, broad-shouldered ex-governor from Tennessee, upon whose military skill their very lives are now dependent. Undoubtedly, the events that have happened here in the last few minutes have given John Daly, our CBS correspondent near the Alamo, the first official news of the situation inside the mission. So now, John Daly. Sounds from the shortwave transmitter inside the Alamo. The couriers behind Santa Ana's lines have disappeared. The silence has deepened. The wind continues to howl, and the first rays of the sun are now beginning to streak the battlefield before me. I can't tell you how deeply all of us here were moved by the reading of the message from Colonel Travis. As we heard his words, we were able to look down on the mission to see the pitiful inadequacy of its defenses. Less than 200 men against 3,000. The odds are staggering, and they become epic when you stop to think that they were chosen by the less than 200. I keep watching that road over which reinforcements must come. There's no sign of help, but there is something coming through by shortwave from the Alamo. We have a shortwave receiver tuned to their frequency, and the signal is clear. Let's listen to it. Lieutenant Colonel Travis, our garrison commander, has a message. Here is Lieutenant Colonel Travis. To the people of Texas and all Americans in the world... Fellow citizens and compatriots, I have sustained a bombardment and a continual cannonade for many days, and have not lost a man. I shall never surrender or retreat. I call on you in the name of liberty, of patriotism, and everything dear to the American character to come to our aid with all dispatch. If this call is neglected, I am determined to sustain myself as long as possible and die like a soldier who never forgets what is due to his own honor and that of his country. Victory or death. This is the Alamo. This is the Alamo. That was the commander of our garrison, Lieutenant Colonel William B. Travis, appealing for reinforcements. I hope we're getting through. 
heard the colonel because we sure need those reinforcements. Now, here's the Honorable Davy Crockett. He wants you to say a word. Howdy. Can't talk long because it looks like we got a little excitement here about. Some of you folks are wondering what an ex-congressman is doing down here in San Antonio. Well, I had a bit of a difference of opinion with my constituents back home in Tennessee. I told them that if they didn't re-elect me, they might all go to places, and I'd go to Texas. Here I am. And here's where every freedom-loving man ought to be. I'm proud to identify myself with the fighting men of Texas. I consider it a rare honor to be able to defend, in company with my fellow citizens, the liberties of our common country. That was the Honorable Davy Crockett talking to the people of the United States of America. Well, where are you, lad? You coming? We're waiting on you. This is the Alamo. This is the Alamo. Hope we get you through. I reckon you folks might, might like to know how we're making out here. Well, we... We got thieves enough, corn enough, and I ain't heard no complaining yet about the supply of liquid refreshments. It's, uh, it's quiet now. Too darn quiet for comfort if you're asking me. Some of the boys are catching a little shut-eye at the posts. And we made up that when the attack comes, uh, the bell here will be rung, and that'll be the alarm. Well, now, some of the boys got some messages there they want me to send, so here goes. Pinky Benedict says for his wife not to worry, and maybe it'd be a good idea if she visited her sister in Memphis for a stretch. Wally Bradley, he says for his kid brother to be sure he watches out for his traps, he said, in the bayou, and to move him over to Short Creek for Beaver in about a month. Uh, now, this, this next one is kind of personal, so all you people listening... Stop up here, see? It's from Dick Salmon. He says to his wife that he sure loves her heap and to kiss a baby for her. <laughs> kiss him for me too, Mom. Well, now that that's all for now. This is the Alamo signing off. We'll try to get back on the air again soon. Signing off. Signing off. You have just heard the first radio message direct from the Alamo. The convention on the Brazos must have heard it also, so back to Convention Hall and Ken Roberts. The impact of the message from the Alamo on the delegates assembled here was profound. They gathered around the radio and hung on every word. Their faces reflected their anxiety, their anguish, their prayers for the boys at the Alamo. But they have not permitted their feelings to sway them from their determination to make Texas free. The delegates have taken up their new day's labor on the draft of the Constitution. They are determined that the time granted them by the stand at the Alamo must not be wasted. These few days of respite may mean the difference between victory for free Texas or death for its dream of independence. And help is on the way, we know that, as Travis and his men hold off Santa Ana on the western frontier. Volunteers from the United States are pouring in from the east. They're coming, they're on the march. Men from Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, and Indiana... Men from Maine and New York and Massachusetts. Right at this moment, a transport loaded with troops headed for Texas is about to pull out from a wharf somewhere in Louisiana. For an on-the-spot description of the embarkment of these volunteers, we take you now to Jackson Beck. This is Jackson Beck on the wharf in Louisiana. A crack regiment of militia, Colonel Thomas Watson commanding, is aboard ship and ready to sail for Texas. There's a band here on the deck serenading the boys, and hundreds of people have turned out to see them all. I'm not permitted to give you their exact number, but I can tell you that the number is not meager, and the men are packed with fight. For the past few days, ever since news of Santa Ana's advance and the siege of the Alamo reached New Orleans, an air of wild excitement has spread over the city. Although the United States government maintains a strict policy of official neutrality, it is inevitable that the natural sympathy for the American colonists in Texas should be translated into action. Enlistment officers are on every street corner. The role of volunteers swells every hour. Uh, beside me now is the man who commands this detachment, Colonel Tom Watson. Colonel Watson, uh, it looks like your men are anxious to get to Texas. Anxious? If that steamboat don't sail fast enough, I reckon as how they'll get out and swim. We're all anxious. We're proud to be able to lend a helping hand to our brothers of Texas. To fight for freedom, sir, is man's greatest 
privily. If the boys at the Alamo are listening, here's our message to them. We are coming. We are marching to Texas. Victory or death. Thank you, Colonel Watson. There goes the ship's bell. She's ready to go out. Colonel Watson's going aboard. The excitement of the crowd is now at peak level. The lines have been thrown off. There's the ship's whistle. The big side wheel's beginning to turn. You can probably hear it. Flashing the water as the ship gets underway. Now the crowd's going start raving crazy. This is the CBS studio in Washington on the Brazos. We have interrupted Jackson Deck because we have a report of action at the Alamo. We take you now to John Daly. Santa Anne has begun the attack on the Alamo. The Alamo bells are sounding the alarm. The Mexican bugles are calling for the charge. We can see it all. It's like a play on a stage spread out before our eyes. The Mexican infantry dragging escalades to scale the walls is pouring over the little patch of ground that has separated the Alamo from the Mexican forces. They've been met with a withering fire from the Texans' rifles and small cannons. And although Santa Ana's men are falling like flies, they're still pressing forward. The ground is covered with bodies. The Mexican losses will be terrific no matter what the outcome. But no one can doubt their bravery. Some of the escalades are against the walls of the Alamo now. But as far as I can see, not a single Mexican has yet been able to scale them. The smoke and the dust of battle has settled like a pall on this bloody scene. We can hear gunfire, the shouts of officers, the moans and the screams of the wounded. It's a ghastly, horrible grammar of blood and war. There seems to be some slackening of fire from within the Alamo. And Mexican troops have rallied and are storming the walls once again. They're up on the escalades. I think they've mounted the ladders and are getting inside the Alamo. But there's so much smoke and dust, it's impossible to be sure. Here come the Mexican cavalry. About a thousand horsemen, they're charging across the field. Their sabers are glittering in the sun. Their horses setting up a terrific cloud of dust. The Alamo is calling. Our shortwave receiver is blasting a message. The Alamo is on the air. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website 
at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.